Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. My very special guest today, Patrick Skoklin. <laughs> I've been waiting to get him on this podcast for months, but, you know, he's been quite busy and you'll hear all about why and how, what he's doing, but before we get into uh, product, you know, let's talk about your illustrious career at Sada Systems, where sure. you started, all the things you've done. Um, you have a storied career in history here, so I think it's good for the audience to kind of understand how you landed in uh, in running product today. I've been at Sada coming up on eight years, which in tech is is a long time to really say the least. Time. This was actually my first job out of college. So went back and forth on whether or not I wanted to live in San Francisco or Los Angeles. Truth be told, I was going to work for Google in San Francisco, well, in Mountain View, but uh, for a multitude of reasons. My older brother lives uh, or lived rather in Orange County. So long story short, I always just wanted to live in Los Angeles. Um, Sada being a Google partner was part of what brought me in. And from there, that was definitely a good fit. Uh, when I first joined SADA, I want to say we were, what, probably 50, 40, 50 people? Probably. Roughly speaking. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, a lot of details get lost when you move so quickly. But uh, when I first joined SADA, I was the only web developer. We maintained roughly 40 to 50 websites. We basically hosted and maintained we hosted through godaddy but we maintained about 40 to 50 different websites so i spent a lot of time with small to medium-sized businesses on um maintaining their website building new designs and so on so in our own website yeah in our own website yeah so my background is was or is rather uh design human interaction design and some aspects of computer science. The majority of the development I used to do was mostly web-based, so. But I remember like you combined the skills of like the UX, UI and dev kind of under one yeah. umbrella, like in one person skill set, which at the time even was really, really rare. And obviously us like, hey, this is someone who are, you know, could wear multiple hats. Um, obviously we had no idea where it would lead here, but that was like, amazing that you could do all all of those things i think one of the things that immediately started to lead into my my perspective on like product or this concept of repurposable application was google sites way back in the day um i was trying to figure out a way we could sell at scale web development because sada wasn't i mean at that time we were transitioning into uh, a high-end Google partner, you know, G Suite, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we still had a web dev side. So yeah. what I was trying to do was figure out what is a good way to scale this out and still leverage the the whole Google, you know, relationship. So what I did was I built out um, a lot of different templates, like Google Sites templates, um, and then taught a couple of people that, that worked at SADA how to sell it, uh, created like, these different SKUs on for this package, you know, you'll get this much and we'll yeah. distribute back a style guide. So that was really the beginning, at least from for, for me on um, repurposable, reusable uh, developments that 
could scale outside of just one person or outside of having to do a lot of whether you want to call it episodic or like services oriented yeah, work. Like custom stuff. You could automate a lot of that. So the thing that came out, like, again, we appreciate anyone who comes into a role and does work that's outside of the core definition of that role. And you were very enterprising. Like you had this sort of um, uh, entrepreneurial spirit about how you saw the world. And, you know, I think it was almost incidental. We had the opportunity because, you know, we've been banging down the door of the maps organization at Google trying to create a role for partners at a time where they were a hundred percent direct business. Yeah. And I think we sent, we had a training opportunity and I was like, uh, yeah. Patrick, you know, some code and we sent two other people like go learn like maps API. Yeah. Yeah. For a while. And I want to say probably almost a year. We, we had a hard time to your point, breaking into that industry from a, from a sales perspective. Yeah. Because I don't think, Again, at the time, things have obviously shifted tremendously, but they didn't really see a lot of value in why you would bring a partner in. Right. right. So right. getting back to the training thing, what we learned was here's how the API works. Beyond that, you guys figure it out. Right. So that naturally led into, you know, yourself as well as Joe Costco trying to sit down and scratch our heads and say like, what do we do yeah. with this concept of Maps API at a platform level? Like how do yeah. we prove our value to Google as to why they should bring us into any account? Because it was very different than Enterprise yeah. Search, very different than G Suite. Yeah. It was a set of APIs. If you didn't sort of configure it correctly in your app, you would run it up like crazy and yep. have this sort of pricing model the pricing model was complicated. Yep. Customers didn't even know what it should cost or how they're going to pay for it. But I think, you know, that was the pathway by which we maybe started to demonstrate value. We for could sure. at least help customers figure that out, right? Really, if you think about it, right, this concept of like a paradigm uh, from G Suite and GSA or Google Search Appliance versus Maps, G Suite, it's not out of the box, but it's reasonably speaking. It's pure SaaS, yeah, like you per can, user, exactly. per year or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas Maps API in and of itself is a platform. Now, you know, years later, we realize how robust that platform is and why you need a partner. But again, at the time, there was just that those nuances that Google themselves were kind of struggling to figure out, like, how do we, you know, tell our sales reps? How do we tell Google? Here are the reasons why you need to have a partner um, in the mix. So that led to probably what we're going to talk about here in a minute, but or now uh, that led to Chicago, which is Google had a deal where big client, City of Chicago, they knew that City of Chicago wanted to do something mm -hmm. with Google mm -hmm. and they had a budget that they needed to execute that fiscal year. I mean, it came right up like legitimately December, whatever, December yeah. 20th yeah. when we got that deal done. Yeah. Um, but that deal was all structured around this concept of Google needs a partner to build this solution on Google Maps platform. Right. So they literally need to create the code, create the interface, create the backend. And if you look at, so kind of coming full circle with all this, if you look at my background from dev and design mm -hmm. to using Google Maps API and building out a solution, that's kind of how all of that came to be. And really what shifted Google into the into the realization of partners can build these tools for us so we can go in selling the value of the platform mm -hmm. and then our partners 
working alongside Google, using the same type of material design strategies that Google uses. Because truthfully, culturally speaking, SADA has done a great job. And I, I genuinely mean this at the engineering level on up to be tightly aligned with Google on, on how we de- deploy things, how we build things. So from Chicago's perspective, they look at it as we're getting an extension of Google to build us yeah. a solution. We're going to dive very deep into Atom and Dot Maps. Actually, sure. Dot Maps and Atom because Dot Maps came first. But uh, going back to your your sort of evolution, I remember distinctly the moment we were out sort of with the Maps team and uh, you know, you were like the subject matter expert. Yeah. You knew the APIs better than anybody. And you were playing mostly like the sort of pre-sales engineering role. And we we're trying to sell maps with like the field sales yeah. organization. Like and, the G Suite reps. And and yeah. It was like failing miserably. <laughs> and it was Rosemary who was like, you got to make Patrick a rep. And I was like, what? Yeah. He's not a sales guy. You had the entrepreneurial spirit. You had a really good sort of business acumen. And, and that we made that decision that night that you'd be our first dedicated map seller. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the exact <laughs> date that that happened, but that's pretty much that's pretty much how it happened. And yeah. then that really changed our trajectory. because yeah. Now we had a dedicated person who not only could get very technical, which is, again, rare in a salesperson, but developed like the sales skills and like the basic sales sort of execution stuff mm-hmm. to get deals over the line, obviously with a lot of help from Joe, et cetera. Yeah, of then course. all of a sudden that went like, you started crushing selling maps, then build a map sales team, enabled guys like Jacob and others. And lo and behold, we look back even like three years ago, globally the biggest maps partner in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in the early days of selling Google Maps, what I spent a lot of my time on was trying to provide as much value. It goes back to the conversation of just trying to show value of why partners, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of my time beyond just the day-to-day sales aspects of it all was actually spending time on the design side and, and the dev side, building out some of these demos myself and um, like legitimately designing different use cases mm-hmm. myself. Because even if that, that deal didn't get executed, the relationship that you cultivate by showing Google, this is, you know, we're willing to go the extra mile to get these deals, it, it, it shows... Uh, it shows this concept of willing to do whatever it takes to get this deal over the line with a focus and an emphasis on revenue to Google. So so not trying to push this narrative of, hey, we're going to sell our services and we're going to charge services. I never had those conversations with clients. It was always Google, Google first. And what is the potential licensing component to this on the Google side? And then services after. It was the smoothest way to get Google to understand Okay, if I bring a partner in, they're not going to come in and try to sell SADA over Google. It's one team, That's right. one relationship where we are all, we're both after the exact same thing. Because the reality is, in some capacity or other, the money will come. The focus should be on Google first. It's yeah. basically how. Yeah, if we're selling with Google, Google's yeah. bringing us in, obviously. And look, this has worked well across all the Google portfolio yeah. of products is that we've always prioritized revenue to Google versus our professional services. We yep. know the services will come, yep. but um, the incentive alignment is completely clear. We're unique in the ecosystem. Not all partners operate that way. Not most traditional uh, SIs even operate that way. They're really just focused on maximizing their services revenue dollars, and, and we're very different. Worked very well in maps. Again, the biggest maps business on the planet still. Kudos, dads, because <laughs> I think, you know, you're really the, the origin story of, of that is 
really the work that you did so early on when nobody else had figured it out. And then, and then I think, again, related to the origin story of product itself is then pivoting as, as GCP was coming up and it was Simon kind of doing it himself, like pivoting and saying, look, somebody needs to own this. He's done a great job with maps. Another thing that was a direct business, nascent. Uh, Patrick, you know, made it something massive. And then you then took over GCP as well because we saw that correlation between consumption and APIs and, and deep technical selling. Yeah. And then you started working with Simon on the, on you own the GCP yeah, uh, so business for a long time. The, the, whole, the whole concept behind GCP, Google Cloud Platform and the relationship to Maps. And just to take a step back, I mean, uh, I can tell you right now, I'm not solely responsible for the growth of Maps. Um, Jacob's the, done a really good The whole job engineering too. team, the sales team, <laughs> it's a lot of other people hey, somebody outside has to, of myself. Get, getting, it, getting it started is often the hardest thing, you know sure. that. Yeah, no, for sure. Without a doubt, that that that's hard. I just, I don't want it to be seen like I'm taking credit for other people's work. To be hey, I always remember what people have done in the past because, again, doing it first and, and breaking ground in the beginning, like that's the, no, whole, yeah. the biggest inertia you have to break through is that initial, yeah, the first $5 million, the first $10 million, the first $30 million, and that's... That's hard. There's a there's definitely a certain level of I guess belief you have to have <laughs> to keep hearing no and trying to push for a yes, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. So the the whole the whole concept of because I never really took over cloud. I mean, I was always trying to work in tandem with Simon, who's an expert in GCP to say the least. Mm-hmm. My goal was to bring because we built up quite a large engineering software development side on the map side. Right, exactly. And everything that we did um, and built on was GCP. Mm-hmm. Was the, I mean, that's the only From thing we build on when it comes to custom dev for a variety of reasons. Um, but the point was, how do we leverage that same engineering, the core competency of that engineering team and scale it out to this massive um, services side, which is going to be Google Cloud Platform. So the, the the whole goal that I had was enable and 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 help position a larger plan that would effectively share the resource pool that we grew initially with Maps. Mm-hmm. Because again, everything is beyond leveraging Maps API. Everything is GCP. Mm-hmm. So there's a natural, obvious exactly. relationship there. So enable that team while still working because we 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 had signed up to do product before I took on GCP. The whole mm-hmm. plan was always enable that and then try to transition out of that in such a way where right. when product was growing at a certain clip, yeah. shift over exclusively to, to product. Um, but it was really to bridge a proverbial gap, if you will, on GCP starting out and getting pushed to the next level of services, yeah, if look, you look at it and again, from that point you're, of view. Your distinct, uh kind of the skill set and talent you brought to the table, but you're being a designer, being a developer, understanding and appreciating UX, UI, app, apps, mobile, all that stuff. Uh, maps expertise, then GCP expertise, those things came together in a way that as I think would only be possible kind of in that order yeah. into what we did in Chicago around dot maps. Yeah. And again, up until, you know, year before last like you're doing multiple multiple multitude of things but we saw dot maps be born and then adam mm-hmm. be born and now of course year plus now running just product but 
uh, let's go back to Chicago. Like, explain the dot maps yeah. use case. And this started as a maps opportunity that happened to need actually an entire application around. Yeah, it. absolutely. So, um, as I was mentioning before, we got pulled into this city of Chicago by uh, a Google rep um, through their government team, uh, and at the time, uh, Chicago knew they needed an application. Basically. They were looking to replace their current application. The current mm-hmm. application was on-prem. It was very archaic. It was slow, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and required but, like PhDs to operate. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but beyond that, because I'll get into probably a multitude of soliloquies around the importance of design here. But um, beyond that, they couldn't share it outward to other utility companies. So just to kind of explain 30,000 foot view of what we did, City of Chicago was running into an issue where... They were coordinating all the construction. So all of the construction that happens in the city of Chicago was being done on a very, as I mentioned before, archaic tool. Mm-hmm. But they were the only ones that could see this information. So if you were planning to do work in the city um, in any capacity, you would send in your information and have no idea of who was planning on doing work there and so on and so forth until... The project coordination office run by our partner Collins um, would come in and they'd have to have these, you know, meetings with all these different utility companies on these printed maps or display a single screen. Whereas now they're coordinating with one another, figuring out, okay, somebody's planning on doing work there. Either I can do work at the same time the street is cut up or potentially I might want to push my work, you know, outwards so that I'm not they're not having to repave the street over and over again. So effectively what this application became, Dot Maps, allows people to do is it's temporal and geospatial, meaning it's time-based and it's location-based. So if someone's planning a project at a specific intersection uh, and somebody else is planning a project at that exact intersection at the same time, it'll generate what we call a conflict. Mm-hmm. That conflict gets sent out to those respective utility companies as well as the city department. And then there's a coordination workflow that they go through um, whereby they figure out what are the reasons that you need to be doing construction? What's the permit in the area? What are the design plans? Um, and then to your initial point, not requiring a PhD to do all this. I, I can't begin to tell anybody that will listen to me how important design is when it comes to using any application. I'm, I'm continuously disappointed with enterprise software especially public sector enterprise software big big name (laughs) brands that have either acquired a company or built it themselves with i mean it looks like ms dos like (laughs) it just looks like something from the 90s that yeah they that I, i i couldn't imagine asking somebody to to use no one of the biggest appeals appealing factors was it, it felt like an app made by Google. And generally, if you knew how to use Google Maps, yeah. you could use Dot Maps. By the way, are we revealing the new branding name for Dot Maps? I mean, potentially, yes. Yeah. So, so we're probably going to shift the name to Coordinate um, in the, in the coordinate. somewhat... You heard, it, you heard it from here. In the somewhat near, near-term future. And also, shout out to, to College Engineering and, and Dan Checky and, and, and Liz and... Jeremy yeah, and everybody else. The whole team. Shout out, shout out to Collins Engineering <laughs> since you're talking about Chicago and dot map so much or coordinate. But so again, the basic premise of an application that is not look that doesn't look like and function like it was made 20 years ago 
that allows the project coordination office of any city or municipality to help coordinate the, the how the public way is ma ma measured or managed such that they're not digging up the street multiple times, that they're not literally running into collisions during construction projects, which used to happen. This crew would show up, so would this crew, and they're like, oh, I didn't know you were digging up here. And also, just all the ancillary effect of like traffic conditions, road closures, permitting, all this stuff. Like it was a very manual process run by old mapping software, Excel spreadsheets, and and literally printed maps. Yeah, and I mean, there's there is tremendous value to put it lightly when you talk about the return on investment aspect of all this, because if you get the utility companies working and coordinating and collaborating with one another while the streets cut open. I mean, we're talking tens of millions of dollars oh, are being saved annually. Documented. Yeah. yeah. And and we actually, a portion of our application will show back the return on investment to the city. So they can go group by group of all these different intersections and see, and granted, there is some estimating. A lot of times when you do return on investment, it's never going to be like exact, mm -hmm. but you can get a pretty sizable guest um uh, look we just saved eight hundred fifty thousand dollars on this one project no i think chicago out of the gate three four years ago published something that they saved like 15 million dollars yeah. in nine months then it just continued to compound yeah yeah no i mean the the use case for right-of-way coordination is 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 a pretty obvious need for all the cities uh you know that that we all live in um at this point it's it's growing very quickly. We're, we're at a position where the product itself is in a great position to be scaled out to all these cities. Now it's just a matter of, you know, executing, um, building up great relationships with the current cities we have, as well as partnering with the, the new cities that we're working on to make sure that they're getting the most value. Out of Seattle's it. another great yeah. success story. Well-documented. They actually exposed that public way impact information to their residents yep. which was amazing and the press they've been on obviously lo their local tv they've been a lot, a lot of sort of gov government transportation publications that have highlighted the work that they're doing obviously seattle being very progressive but interesting like you know in the midst of like the backyard of aws and microsoft and have cho chosen like a gcp built google maps yeah. platform uh solution <laughs> built by sada She's going to be talking at Google Next, which I was pretty yeah. surprised by, but happy about. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, super. It, it just tells you how good the product has to be yeah. for, for them to overcome all the maybe potential political backlash. To, to, of, to fight to get the, yeah. the tool. Yeah, yeah, so to your point, we released a public portal portion of the product, a lot of P's, um, uh, which allows any citizen of that city to figure out what's the construction in that area, what's going to be the construction in that area, even local businesses to sign up to figure out, hey, is the street going to be shut down right in front of my building? Yeah. And for how long? What are the hours? So that I can figure out how that's going to potentially impact my business. But that I, I saw like as, as a user, I wanted to explore that experience. And I saw they also have like other road closures, like special events, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, like it's all there. Yeah. It's super impressive. Yeah, it's a lot of data. It's, it's, uh, it, we're, we're constantly trying to work to perfect the experience for all these users. Cause that's the other thing. 
you never want to get complacent even remotely. Um, so it's a lot of data to go through. So we're constantly making improvements to the public portal. And it's, it's taken time to create this like, this custom thing for one customer into more of a multi-tenant thing that could scale. I know we made huge progress there. Now we can replicate it pretty easily. How, how long does it take for a mid-sized city to be up and running, assuming they can provide you the data that you need? To pilot it, we can typically get a city up and running in about two weeks to get all their data in the system um, as long as they export it. Long-term, when we have to integrate with their permitting software or whatever software they need us to integrate with, it varies, but it's, it's, it's roughly about six months. As far as them just using our tool out of the gate, it's like two weeks. That's amazing for enterprise software. Yeah, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of projects in two weeks. For, for public sector, for enterprise software, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't believe me when I say it. A lot of cities won't believe us when, when we, we advertise it. It seems too good to be true. But um, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. You guys right? have spent so much time refining like data architecture, customizability, flexibility, so that it's just, it, it takes a lot of work up front to, 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 to create a system that a customer could be up and running in two weeks on. Yeah. It just takes a, a tremendous amount of engineering. Yeah, and I mean, even on the, the training side, this is, again, uh, a use case or I guess a story case study, if you will, that I'll tell to most cities. It takes us about a couple of days to launch it to hundreds of users. So like Seattle, 250 users in two days seems to raise an eyebrow, to say the least, because they're used to paying tens of thousands of dollars on enterprise training, whatever that means, which basically they just set up a bunch of classrooms and they have to explain all these drop downs when the reality is if you have to, if you have to explain how to use your product, I'm not interested in buying your product. And if I don't want to buy something, I can't imagine. It's hard for me to sell it if I'm not interested in purchasing something. And if I've always been a huge proponent of that. And again, this is not me designing it. Our design team, Nicole, Eunice, the whole design team is unbelievable. So I could sit here and say me, 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 but it's not me. It's them. I'm just trying to paint the picture of how easy that software is to use and the fact that, I mean, we require little to no training. No, I've worked with them on a couple other projects and they're super talented. Um, and it's all about bringing that almost almost consumer-grade user experience ease yeah, 100%. To, to the enterprise. And that's I think people are blown away the first time they see it, the demo. They're like, this is enterprise software. This is for public sector. Like, wow. Let's shift gears a little bit to... Uh, the other product, Adam, do you want to talk about the starting sort of the, the origin story? Where did the idea for Adam come from? Yeah. What does it do? So, so Adam, I'll start with the origin story and then I'll kind of talk through what it is. Um, Adam came about, uh, time flies. Um, I don't know, a couple of years now, four years ago, five years ago ish. Uh, where, you know, we were doing a lot of work with Collins as well as a couple other engineering firms and realized how large of a dependency there is becoming and growing into this concept of mobile data collection, having a mobile workforce, your people out in the field having to do inspections and work. I mean, you, you constantly, I mean, when you learn about things, you, you think about the world differently, right? Like a lot of people drive to work every single day, pass God only knows how many, you know, structures 
and assets on a day-to-day basis. Drive over a bridge, you know, stop at a stop. I keep pointing to a window as if this will know there's a street right there. But, you know, stop at a stoplight, uh, stop at a stop sign and don't really think about what happens to that, you know, information. Like they don't think about how I, I didn't used to think about how how frequently is that stop sign being kept up? How, how come they just never follow yeah, one day? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like why does the bridge just collapse? Right. These these things only become huge when, when something goes wrong. Happens. Yes. Um, so anyways, we, we did a lot of work, as Tony was mentioning previously with Collins and realized how big of a, of a of an industry this is to get into for enabling companies to figure out companies and state and local agencies to figure out where all their assets assets being like um bridges yeah, signs cap, like walls assets, hard assets where yeah. all their actual structures are um and then where all their people are in conjunction with those assets uh and then beyond that how to do inspections, get as much information around that stop sign so it doesn't fall down. Um, although a bridge falling down is a much larger issue. But the point is getting all that information, capturing that information, and then enabling that those details to predict out, look, if you don't do work on this asset in this year, this is going to be the you know deterioration or the deteriorating effect associated with not doing work on it. So Adam is a massively robust application, even at the level that we are at today. But if you think about all of the things that we're working on right now, plus all of the states and cities that we just, you know, got awarded and all the potential there, we are at the tip of the iceberg for how many things we're going to be doing over the next two to three years, like the literal tip of the iceberg. And we're doing it extremely well um, and in an extremely robust way in that market. So Adam is different that it's not just public sector, right? There's a commercial application that's significant. The first project we sold was for commercial, right? Yeah. So so just to take a step back, Adam uh, is a maintenance management and workforce management system, right? So it as I mentioned before, it allows you to see where all your people are, what they're working on, schedule work for them, um, but also have the tool to do some scheduling for them. But yeah, to your point, it's different dot maps uh, in that it's both commercial and governments. Uh, can we talk about who the first customer was? Can we name them? I don't think we can. Okay, let's just say it was a railroad company. <laughs> yeah. It was a railroad company. Yeah. And in their case, like assets are their tunnels, their tracks i assume anything else like that right i mean they have assets everywhere yeah yeah so in the rail space um there was i mean there, there's a multitude of of organizations you know that we work with on the adam side on the on the railroad side what they're using it for is and they have thousands i think like ten thousand bridges that they're using our system go out in the field take all kinds of da- data associated with it i mean in our in their environment they have mil like legitimately over a million different data points that they're capturing now. I mean, they went from needing a, a fleet of, you know, 20, 30, 40, whatever amount of people to substantially less. And now they're using the tool in all these different departments because of ease of use, uh, transparency and um, tr- like just trust in the data. 
the actual accuracy and having that much data and now using the analytics portal of Adam to try to predict out all of the different things they need to be doing from a budgeting perspective. So yeah. we need to be do we're, we're, we need to be working here. We need to be working here. Um, these are the reasons why. These yeah, like are, if you have $50 million a year for maintenance, how do you prioritize yeah. the spend? And it takes months for most organizations to figure that out. Where, where we are going is our tool will legitimately tell you what you should be working on based on last year's information. And you you can track right now. You can see who did what, where, when, and why in our system. Um, so it's a pretty significant... I mean, I, I can't say enough about that team as well. And look, please talk about the team more, but I think what part of what the team achieved, which is I think a technical, huge technical win, which is by the way, very necessary for heavy industrial customers of Atom yeah. who are in the field everywhere, like mobile offline functionality of the Atom app was a pretty big technical achievement, right? Well, the application is fully functioning from the mobile side, offline and online, meaning there's almost little to no impact for users to go out in the field because we're used to, so we'll go back to the railroad example. They have rail way out in Canada in the middle of you know, not to offend any Canadian people, but middle of nowhere, not, middle of nowhere, basically <laughs> oh, we love um, anywhere that's not Toronto. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. So the point is uh, we are used to people having intermittent at best uh, coverage. Like there are certain folks that they'll go in airplane mode for a week and work eight hours, 12 hours a just day, gathering data, just and, using and our application information with yeah. no connectivity. That's whatsoever yeah. um which i mean is pretty pretty impressive and when they connect back up it just synchronizes yeah, yeah they can track the process it tells you the progress of you know where this photo's at where this data points at so they can actually see real time what's getting pushed and then they can track all that information so like on the managerial side on the desktop side i can see real time who's making what update and i can approve it comment decline it um, and see, it, it timestamps it in perpetuity. So if they ever need to go back for whatever reason, whether it be an audit or trying to figure out from a deterioration standpoint planning, they can see the historical information. Like I can legitimately see what the history of that bridge was in that example yeah. and use that information to forecast what it's going to look like over the next couple of years as well. That's amazing. And look, now that... Um we did a lot of, I think, groundbreaking work in the, the foundation of the product last year. We also got some great awards that we're in the process of, I think, you know, inking and papering and contracting on. But it was a huge um, milestone year for product, both Adam and Dot Maps. And this year, I think because of Google's new you know, public sector leadership, they have people that are, you know, focused strictly on departments of transportation. There's much more density in the field. They're looking for package solutions that they can take to market quickly to uh, state and local customers. And I think we've seen an orientation towards a much tighter partnership than ever before with Brent Mitchell on down, John Cousins in Canada. And we're really excited about that because we've been kind of selling this on our own for many, many years. Yeah, I would not a lot of alignment with Google. I, I would say, to your point, last year was a significant growth, to say the least, on the internal, the cultural, 
as well as the external side. But this year, everyone will see a massive external growth. But in order to get that external growth, you have to have significant internal growth of how things get structured, how you dedicate, um, what the vision is, how you want to accomplish the vision, being methodical, being organized, making sure that people are all on the same page because it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of work to successfully get a product off the ground and running um, and really do it in a way that's successful from the point of view that the engineering team, the design team, everybody's on the same page. People understand why the system is the system and, and how those things impact um, clients. But getting back to your point on the relationship with Google, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, the engineering team from Adam, a lot of them come from Google. Like legitimately, to the previous point, it would be very difficult for somebody to look at Adam and differentiate that from a Google product. Um, we use material design for a lot of, of how we build Adam. But then beyond that, aligning with the Google reps, there's been significant growth within the Google ecosystem on cloud from a, from a literal standpoint of how many reps they have. That's right. And so now what we're, what we're starting to realize is in parallel to that growth on the sales side, there is a growth for trying to identify solutions that are a low or an easy, an easy entry point, kind of a silver bullet, if you will, on getting into an agency in such a way where they can understand it. It's like material. They, they know how to use it. They can get in there. We can set up demo environments, pilot environments. And the business case for these is so clear yeah. that it's not a difficult uh, conversation to have with customers. And visually, they're so stunning, functionally so impressive that they're just not even used to seeing public sector. So fast, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like these... That the Atom application legitimately, I mean, on Atom, you could, in an hour, I could give somebody access, well, I can give somebody access in a couple of seconds, but in an hour, they'll have, you know, whatever templates created, forms created, tracking their people out in the field. Um, but to your point, the, the relationship there with Google, I think this year will be, I don't want to call it an apples and oranges, but a tremendous growth from, from what it's been in the past on how we align with Google, transparency, on Google understanding the nuances to our products, to, to how they impact, you know, cities, state and local agencies, yeah. as well as commercial. Like how to position it, what it costs, like simplified pricing. And, you know, I think, again, we'll see. We've been kind of, you've been driving that pretty independently of Google for many years. We hope that this is the year that we see traction co-selling with Google and earnest for the first time. Everybody loves a winner. So I think, you know, getting those couple of big award letters <laughs> was good validation. Got, got the Google team really excited. But, you know, again, they're, they're always going to have more coverage than we do. So if we can rely on their uh, boots on the ground to at least open the door for us, I think it'll be a, it'll be a huge benefit. But uh, I'm really excited entering 2020. We just looked at the uh, budget again together. It's a big uh, uh, growth year. Uh, objectively. And look, I know the challenges of doing this within a, a, a Google partnership uh, slash services organization, uh, you know, it's not easy, but you've done a good job of uh, creating a lot of autonomy. Uh, you're a self-starter. You have a tremendous team who's, who's very motivated. And um, I think we'll see that whole team. I think they'll grow. 
they'll see more wins uh, as a result of all the foundational work that we did last year. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm really excited for what the future holds for, for, for product within SADA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an exciting year. Um, I don't know much beyond that other than I'm excited. I'm more of the mindset where it's nice to look back, but I'm always so focused on all the stuff that I'm working on day to day. Uh, I don't really ever look back. We have some large uh, awards. What's most important right now is we don't get ahead of ourselves and we make our partners successful because at the end of the day, that's going to be the most important yeah. thing. Making sure that the people that are agreeing to, to partner with us on this are just that. They are literally our partners and they see themselves that way. They, they feel as though they have open cadence into or open feedback into our release cadence on our product roadmap, open feedback into what it is that we're planning on building. I, I never want to put any of our clients or partners in a position where they feel as though they're not being heard. I, 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 I've just never been of that mantra. I think um, product companies need to leverage their clients as truly driving. And I know people say this, but but a lot of times people have a tendency to remove the engineer and remove the designer from the, the actual person using the tool and obfuscating and kind of creating a gap where they're like, well, we have a CSS team and we have a team that's going to listen to your ideas and that team's going to translate it. That's good to have at scale, but then there are a lot of in, um, lot of individual components where you would actually make the argument, no, the customer should have direct feedback to the product management group as well as the leads, the engineering leads and the like the design leads so they can hear firsthand, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why why would we build it that? No, it's so exciting for me to to learn from you and understand also with your vision like what it is to have a product and build essentially a product company within a company. Yeah. And uh, it's a whole new set of uh, experiences, but it's super exciting because we're so used to selling what Google makes. Now we're going to have Google sell what we make. Yeah, of, it's, right? it's, like, the paradigm is, is definitely. They're taking that to market. They're our, they're our channel. But um, I, I have you know a lot of ambition to continue to learn what it is to operationalize a, a product business Things like you know customer success, technical uh, you know support, uh, professional services and implementation, all these uh, tenets and 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 pillars of of a, of a solid uh, SaaS company yeah. is kind of what it is, right? Yeah, I mean scalability is is critical. Like you know how how we enable twenty four by seven SLAs, all of those details they all matter. I mean extraordinarily so because. The last thing you want to do is, you know, crush it from a sales perspective and then not execute. Totally. Big things ahead. I think product can become really, really, really big. Um, and uh, I'm excited about 2020 and beyond. And, and thank you for finally agreeing to sit down with me. It's always a yeah. pleasure to go down memory lane. <laughs> yeah. I think it's gratitude's important in life. we got to figure out how we got here. And uh, but I think it's tip of the iceberg and much like where the cloud you know, market is in general, it's so nascent, it's all upside. I think this product can really transform the concept of enterprise software for public sector and also for asset heavy industrials. 
They're just not even used to this kind of framework, this kind of user experience, this kind of scale, this kind of ease of use. Yeah. So I'm excited to be bringing that to market with you hand in hand. And um, I've enjoyed the journey so far, but I think we're just, we're just yeah. getting started. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's been great. Last thing I would say is just a massive shout out to the product team and the dev team and the design team. If, if at any point it seems as though I'm taking credit, that, that is not my intention. I, I can't begin to tell anybody enough that's willing to listen that it is them and uh at times i probably just seem somebody you know ranting and raving on on features that we need but uh, <laughs> i'm not the one shout out to the whole product team yeah. to our partners collins uh, yeah. google uh super excited it's gonna be breakout year for product in 2020 thanks for being my guest yeah thank you thank you for listening to cloud and clear Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.